Shalom, uh, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to this service. We are dealing with a relational issue with the use of our tongue, how our tongue can affect the well-being, the success or failure of our life, how our tongue can destroy uh, relationship. And then uh, we also learn that uh, we are to look at people from God's perspective, being a messenger of God to bring the good news that we can be, can have a new beginning, being a new creation in Christ so that we can start all over again. And uh, so during this time, we realize that human relationship is, is so complex and uh, when it gets into trouble, it is so difficult to resolve. But yet, relationship is everything because our life depends on it, our happiness depends on it. And, and that's why we spend so much time uh, to deal with this topic. I hope that we will continue to revise the lessons that we have learned, especially those areas that is applicable to us. You know, we know that God is speaking, dealing with certain issues in our life. I hope we will really lay hold of those words to, to help us to grow, help us to break through. But this evening, we are going to talk about an encounter, having encounter with God that will change our heart in relationship. Because the heart, when it is filled with bitterness, when it is hardened, when it is filled with pride, it's, it's almost impossible to, to change, uh, to, to bring about changes. And that's why a lot of times relationship uh, res resolution, a lot of times doesn't come about good. It, uh, it just ends everything and then uh, we go our separate way so what does it take for us to be able to change our heart uh, so that our relationship can be restored the book of james james chapter 4 is talking about christians who love who seems to love god but also love the world adulterous Having an adulterous heart, that means they, they, they love God, they love the world. And uh, they're self-centered, divided in the commitment. And these kind of Christians, they create uh, conflicts. And they judge others, they condemn others, they, they create a mess in, in relationship in church. And we don't expect Christians to behave in this way, but unfortunately, this is a reality. And uh, furthermore, they are used by Satan. I think during these studies, we are reminded again and again, Satan 
wants to use Christians, wants to use our tongue, our mouth to bring destruction round about. And, and look at verse 1. It, it begins by saying, what causes fights? James 4 verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that battles within you? So there's that sense of strife, unrest, you know, wanting to affirm who we are, wanting to struggle to, to, to gain our self-worth. You know, that is, that is in turmoil inside us. And then verse 4, it says, You are doubtless people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Can you see, all these are talking to Christians. Verse 6, that is why scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So these, these are Christians who are hardened. In their heart, they are filled with pride. They are proud. And, uh, and they are being used by Satan to... Create conflicts in the church, in our community, in the family. And what's the outcome? Verse 11, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister judges them. Speak against the Lord and judges it. When you judge the Lord, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So can you see, this, this is all in the context of a church, of a church community. Brothers slander against another, judging another, and uh, uh, it creates such a mess among a community that is known to love one another, that is known to love the neighbor, our neighbor, instead they are judging their neighbor. So, uh, we've got to recognize that God is the only judge. He is the lawgiver. There's only one lawgiver. He is the lawgiver. And when we begin to judge our brothers and sisters, we are judging the law. We are conducting ourselves as if we are God. That's what the scripture is trying to tell us. And this is absolutely opposing to God and uh, filled with pride, arrogance, self-righteousness and uh, the Bible asks who are you how dare you to judge a neighbor how dare you to judge your brothers and sisters 
And Romans 14, verse 4 tells us, Who are you to judge someone else's servants? To their own master, the servant stands or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. So if we are a believer, God is our master. We serve Him. So God will be able to deal with us, train us, correct us, equip us, so that we will be able to stand. And we don't need someone else to come in and condemn us. Yes, we need those whom God has sent to us, surround us with angels, surround us with people to help to build our life. But God has not sent someone to judge us and condemn us. In other words, they put us down as if we are a failure, that we are weak, we are useless, we are wrong. Judge us, condemn us. But instead the Bible tells us that God who is our master is able to cause us to stand. In other words, through the process. Yes, we may experience failure, we may experience uh, uh, some sin or, or wrong. But in the process, God is training because He's our judge, He is our master. We are His servant. So He's able to make sure that we will turn out right. You know, there may be some bump on the way. But we will turn out right because he is a faithful judge. So that's why the Bible says, who are you? They are the servants of God. And who do you think you are that you stand to judge them? Now, I think particularly in the ministries, many times people will want to judge us. And you've got to be careful as members. You know, don't think that you know better and, and you... And then you are there to criticize, you are there to, to judge. The Bible says, we are the servants of God. You know, we will stand before Him. He will deal with us. And who are you that you should uh, act as if you are the master, you are God, and you begin to, to, to judge. God will be responsible for His servants. Thank God for that. Okay, and uh, who are these people who, who judge others, who condemn others? They are proud. We read it just now. You know, God opposes the proud. They are proud. They are arrogant. They are hardened, full of self-righteousness. And uh, you look into the Gospel of Luke 18, verse 9 to 14. Luke 18, verse 9 to 14, he said, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Can you see, those who stand to judge others, condemn others, the Bible describes these other people who are self-righteous. They are so confident of their own self-righteous. And uh, as I 
have shared with you earlier. You know, I was talking to somebody, and I told the person, "Yeah, you seem to be very righteous, but unfortunately, it's full of self-righteousness." And so, uh, because there are this kind of people around who think that they can uh, condemn people and so on, and uh, so Jesus begins to tell us this parable. Jesus told them this parable: Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, "God, I thank you that I'm not like other people—robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast and so on, and so on." Uh, but in verse twelve. Uh, was thirteen, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, "God have mercy on me, a sinner." And Jesus said, I "Tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humble, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." So there you are, someone who always compare themselves with others, who always judge, criticize, accuse others, are people who are filled with self-righteousness. They think they are good. They think they are right. They think. So they come before God, but God say, "This man's prayer. This man is rejected by God." Whereas the one who is, seems to be broken, unrighteous, sinner, yet when he humbled himself before God and cried out to God, God heard his prayer. God received him, rather than this so-called self-righteous person. So, how can we change the disposition? Of our hearts, when it's so hardened, so filled with righteousness, self-righteousness, when it's full of pride, and we we just cannot see who we really are, and we act as if we know, and we even act as judge. James four verse eight, you know the passage that we read so many verses from. It says. Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. So, can you see this verse is telling us how can these people change? Transform their heart from such arrogance, from such pride and self-righteousness. He said, "The key is to come near to God. The key is to encounter God, have an experience that really shakes you right into the core, the inner core of your heart." We are not talking about people who has a touch. You know, oftentimes people say, "Oh, I can sense the presence of God." 
you know, I feel the warm. They have just a little bit of a touch. But we're not talking about that kind of encounter. We're talking about someone who come draw near to God and they have broken through. They have an encounter with God that shakes them right into the inner core so that the hardness, the defiled heart, you know, everything that, that has opened up their life to Satan is totally removed, is totally shaken up of their life so that they have a transformed heart and, and they, they, they're totally different. That's why from laughter, they begin to mourn from, uh, 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 and uh, instead of being filled with joy, they begin to feel with sorrow. You know, a, a total change. is to come near, is to uh, draw near to God and God promised. When we really come near with a humble heart, with a brokenness, He will come near to us. So we need this kind of encounter. If you are one of those who seems to be getting into conflicts with people, one who seems to be so argumentative, filled with self-righteousness. You need an encounter with God that will shake you in your inner core so that you really bow yourself before God and cry out to God. You know, the prophet Isaiah had such an experience in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 to 5. Of course, being a prophet, he always come before God. But there is this particular time that there is such a breakthrough in the presence of God. As I said, we have many encounters, you know, the little touch here, the little touch there. But we're talking about an encounter that changed our whole life, that changed the perspective of our, of our life. So that we, it will result in restoration of relationship with people, healing of our own heart, cleansing of our heart, taking place. So Isaiah 6, verse 5, uh, chapter 1, as 6, verse 1, tells us that the year that King Uzziah died, the prophet saw the Lord high and exalted seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings, and so on. And verse 3, And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Can you see, this is an encounter that is so powerful that everything around him shook because of the presence of God, because of the, 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 the worship of the angel crying, holy, holy, holy. And we need that kind of experience. So James tells us, draw near. Draw near to God. Humble yourself. God will lift you up. 
these other promises. So during this uh, experience, Isaiah begins to cry. The, the response of Isaiah is in verse 5. He said, Woe to me, I cry. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, when you have an encounter with God, you begin to see things differently. You know, Isaiah knew that he lives among a people of unclean lips, defilement everywhere. But yet, he said, woe is me. He didn't say, oh, woe is them. Woe is me. For I am ruined. You see, those people who accuse others, who are filled with self-righteous, they can't see their own sin. They point fingers at others, accusing, criticizing. So when the way people talk, you know they, whether they really know God, whether they have an encounter with God, or they're just living in presumption, just like that Pharisee who thought he's so good, you know, that he did this, he's not like that, he's not like that, he thought he's so good, he thought he has a good standing with God. But God rejected him. Whereas those who really have an encounter with God, they are broken before God. They are humble before God. Isaiah said, woe is me. I am, not they are. I am ruined. So an encounter with God really causes us to look deep into our own hearts and not pointing an accusation finger at other people. And uh, when we really humble ourselves, you see, we will see God. And Isaiah saw, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. We see God. Because the Bible says, the holy, those with holiness will see God. And not those people who claim, oh, as if they know God. But uh, uh, Isaiah saw the King, the Lord God of Almighty. You see, after the encounter, what happened? We got no time to read it. His lips were cleansed. In other words, his heart and his, his mouth are cleansed by the fire of God. Those who have an encounter with God, the language, their language change. You know, because there is the fire of God in them that cleanses them, that burns away those sinfulness and purifies their hearts and their tongue. But those who are filled with arrogance, you know, filled with demonic spirit, they speak defilement, they speak accusation, you know, but Isaiah speaks praise and, and, and his eyes begin to fix on God 
First, it was on his own self, his sin, his, his uh, failing. And then his eyes is focused on God, not on other people. And uh, after they've encountered God, in the experience you know, God begins to speak, who shall go for us? And Isaiah say, I will. So can you see, after you have an encounter with God, after your heart is being cleansed, your, your lips is being cleansed, then you have a message from God. You will receive a message from God to, to declare to the people. Before that, it's the self, self-righteous, self-boasting. But now, you begin to recognize that it's all about God. And you have a message from God. You speak just what God wants you to say, not what you want to say. So this is what God wants to do for us in order that we will be so shaken in our inner core that our, we will know who we are, we will know how to get right with God so that our hearts is cleansed. And once the hearts is cleansed, when you're going through this process, can you see? That's why, you know, uh, there is a change of your, your being. You're being transformed. You're being cleansed. You begin to, instead of, of, of rejoicing, there's that morning, there's that change that happens to you because of the encounter that, that God has entered into your life. And uh, those who are proud, God will put them in, in the right place. Because he's challenging you and say, who do you think you are to judge my servant, other, one, other people's servants? Who do you think you are? And the Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, when he was so filled with arrogance, righteousness, self-righteousness, when he think that, you know, he's so right in God, so much so he accused, so much so he attacked and he murdered Christians. So God need to do the surgery. God need to do the work that will shake him in the inner cause so that all these things are broken, so that the fire of God will come upon him and begin to purify his heart so that he can become the servant of God. We know his story on the road of Damascus when he was about to go to persecute the church. God cast him down from that horse. And, and people who are proud, people who are arrogant, people who think that they, they are so good, they need to be cast down from their success. They need to be cast down. You know, the, the horse is a horse of status, horse that he's riding on, you know, he has the authority, he has the power to, to disrupt judgment. You know, these people, they need to be cast down to the ground in order to have a change of heart, 
in order to have a change of life. And that's exactly what God did. You know, who are you, Paul? Why are you persecuting me? The voice from heaven spoke to him. So during that process, when he was cast down to the ground, he had an encounter that totally changed him to become the servant of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, throughout the Bible, there are different ones who are filled with pride and arrogance. God has to bring them down so that they will humble themselves and acknowledge God being God. The other very proud person that we know of is King Nebuchadnezzar. He thought, because he, is, he was successful, he has built the palace, he has built many things, and he looked at his kingdom, he was so filled with pride and exalting himself and, and, and feel that he's done it all, that what, what he's so successful. So God has brought him down to the ground so that he loses his mind. He's crawling on the ground like a beast in order to bring him to an encounter with God that eventually he also confessed who is the Lord God Almighty, the true and the, uh, and, and, the, and the living God. So, God knows, God has ways to deal with the arrogance, the pride of man, and uh, we, we need to know that God opposes the proud, and uh, He gives grace to the humble. So I, I, I hope we take note of that. Once he purifies our hearts, once he's shaken us in our inner core, once he's changed us from proud arrogance to be humble, to be broken, to be a servant, a true servant of the Lord, we begin to see things different. Titus 1 verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. In fact, both their minds and conscience are corrupted. So can you see, when God begins to, well, before He breaks us, those who are corrupted, those who are defiled, they're so suspicious. Everything is so complicated. You know, they, 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 will, they will think of so many things. You know, th those who accuse other people, they think of so many things. That never happened. And then they begin to, 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 to allow the enemies, the devil, to come and work in their hearts and minds. That causes a division. That causes a breakdown of relationship. But to the pure, all things are pure. You know, life is not that complicated. It can be, but it, it needn't be. Now, when we have God leading us, when, we're, when we have a pure heart, God will take us and, uh, and we will be able to be restored with people rather than suspect that they do this, they say that, they, and, and so on. And now we, we have such a pure heart that uh, 
we just see God, we just see the love of God, and we're able to be restored uh, to, to people. So I hope this uh, teaching will really help us to know how to change our inner core to be able to see God, to know God's way, to know God's heart, so that our relationship with people will be one that is beautiful, that is filled with grace and love and acceptance. That will be a blessing to us. You know, we won't be the troublemaker, we won't be people who do not know themselves. causes so much problem in the community, in the church, in a cell group. The key is to humble ourselves, to draw near to God. And God promised He will come near to us. He promised that we will be changed and we will be lifted up. He will give us grace. So let's come before God and uh, humble ourselves and open our hearts to Him. Allow Him to just cast us to the ground so we humble ourselves and let Him search us. Just like Isaiah, he saw his sin, he saw his unclean lips. And, uh, and God was, is able to cleanse his heart and give him a message to carry to the people. So may God speak to us, cleanse us so that we have a message to speak to people. We have a message of reconciliation, a message of peace, not a message of accusation and slandering. So when we do that, the Bible says, the enemy, the devil will flee from you. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. We do not want to be instrument of the evil one. And may we be the true servant of the living God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for revealing the wickedness of our hearts so that we can come before you in repentance and uh, allow you to cleanse our hearts. That's those self-righteousness, those pride, those hardening of the heart so that we will always be uh, tender before you so that you can speak to us re uh, cleanse, uh, and reveal yourself to us so that we will have a message to share to people. We will bring about restoration and healing in any broken relationship so that our life will be blessed and be a good testimony to, uh, to others. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. Speak to us. Minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Uh, we will see you again.